12. I'm going to be focusing on the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. If you have a pew Bible, it is 1,210 is the page. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's take a moment and ask God to open our hearts and minds to his word. Let's pray for a moment. Gracious God, give us understanding and discernment. Awaken our hearts and our minds that we may see your word, understand it. But Lord, you would give us faith, an unshakable faith to believe it and to walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Recently, a dear friend of mine at the age of 54 years old, with miserable bouts of arthritis throughout his life, he ran a 13-mile race called a mini-marathon. And he ran it in two hours and seven minutes, 54 years old. And as the race begins, my friend Al, he began to tell me the perspective as I asked him to to walk through the process of the race with me because we used to run together on the weekends. He says he feels pretty good most of the time through the race, especially in the beginning, those first several miles. But then he says at about mile 10 or 11, things start to change. He starts to really feel it. He says there are many physical and mental obstacles. He's constantly fighting those last few miles, knowing the, the end is near. He says in this particular race he was running, he found hills in those last few miles. He didn't realize we're there. And trying to run through those, it took a, a toll on him physically, he said. And although he always tries to make these mini marathons, he's ran several through the years, he always tries to make them under two hours. He usually comes up just short, finishing a, a few minutes afterwards. But as you can tell, he probably is very encouraged each time to be 54 battling arthritis, and finishing a 13-mile run. Well, whether you run many marathons yourself or whether you just run if somebody's chasing you, we all have to know this concept of a race, don't we? And the reason is, the dynamics of a race is exactly how several of the New Testament writers try to describe the Christian life. And one clear example of this is, is found in the book of Hebrews, what we've just read in Hebrews chapter 12. For those unfamiliar with the book of Hebrews, the writer has two main purposes in writing this letter to the recipients, these Christians he's writing to. He's writing first to lift up the supremacy and the glory of Jesus Christ. The treasure that he is, that he rules over all things. And this glorious message of the sufficiency and the supremacy and the glory of our Savior and, and High Priest and King Jesus 
It's to bring one central result in the life of every Christian who knows and walks with Christ. And that's the second purpose in the writer, and that is perseverance. Endurance. Endurance through the difficulties and the struggles of life. Specifically in this context, these powerful realities about Jesus, they're to cause these Christians to endure in their faith in Jesus and not fall back into their old life of Judaism, something many of them were tempted to do. He accomplishes this in the, in the first ten chapters of Hebrews. If, if you're unfamiliar with Hebrews, go read just through the book. It is an, an amazing letter. And these first ten chapters accomplish that in a variety of different ways. But then there's a significant transition that takes place when you get to Hebrews 11. And from Hebrews 11 to the end of the book. Because Hebrews 11, as some of you probably know, is known as the great faith chapter. Where these powerful example after powerful example of, of the Old Testament saints, who these recipients would know. These examples are before them. And they are to act as this great motivator to somehow help these Christians press on in their faith in Jesus. And these examples flow into the beginning of Hebrews 12 that we've just read. So if you look down in the beginning of Hebrews 12, the writer references the great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And, and that's him looking back at Hebrews chapter 11. At those who indeed persevered in their faith, firm until the end. And as a result of these men of old gained approval through faith in God and in His promises. The writer addresses Christians, but Christians who are suffering. Christians who are discouraged in their faith because of their circumstances. But they too will gain approval before God through their persevering faith in Jesus. Just like the examples, the list of examples from Hebrews 11. Something that we're at risk at not doing. Because they were growing weary. And he's writing for that central purpose to motivate them. So I pray for us, those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ this evening, that this word from Hebrews would expose maybe a couple of things in our lives. One is where, and secondly, why, we maybe are growing weary in our faith. Think about that for a moment. Where is that for you? Where are you growing weary and maybe how? And why are you growing weary in your faith in Jesus? And that this writer might help us to learn how to run the race of the Christian life with endurance, which is that we are designed to do and called to do. So I want to give you three ways that I think this writer of Hebrews urges us to persevere in our faith with them. Three things we can do. So hopefully this will be practical for you to apply to your life in whatever circumstances and difficulties are making you grow weary in your faith. So here's number one. We need to lay aside stumbling blocks. We need to lay aside stumbling blocks. There's this show that was on for, for many years. I don't see it very much anymore now. But it was a show called Gladiators. Did anybody see that? The basic idea of this show, for those who are unfamiliar with it, is there's usually two contestants that have to, to race each other to win, but there's just a small twist to it. They have to maneuver through these big blocks that are in their way and, and obstacles 
Others are standing on platforms spraying them with hoses trying to to slow them down. And, And there's something else. There are these really big, strong gladiators. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, basically large, muscular people. Even larger than those who played rugby that I saw last night. Which is saying a lot. Typically those who have necks bigger than the size of the contestant's head is the size of the gladiators. And they have to get past these gladiators to somehow get to the the finish line. So it's important in the midst of this this race that speed alone doesn't get you to the finish line. It's the contestant's ability to fight through the stumbling blocks, to, to keep moving forward regardless the things hindering, and they have to push forward to where there's crowned a winner eventually. Well, this kind of race is really being described here in Hebrews 12. The Christian life, it's a race, isn't it? It's full of stumbling block, blocks, obstacles, oftentimes gladiators who want to knock us down and kick us, metaphorically speaking. And we have to fight through the stumbling blocks. We have to face them head on and overcome them. And if we don't, they will overcome us. So there are two main stumbling blocks. I think the writer of Hebrews says we have in this race in the Christian life. So look with me in the passage, verse 1. The first one is every encumbrance or or every weight. Because of this great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us and have persevered in their, their faith firm until the end, look at verse 1. It says, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Now some might say that the encumbrance or the hindrance It's just another reference to sin. But notice that sin is mentioned immediately after the hindrance. So instead, I think these are the things in the Christian's life that aren't necessarily sinful in themselves. But they possibly are unhelpful. They distract us from from running the race and, and finishing well. The second stumbling block is the sin that easily entangles us. Notice we see that we're to lay aside also the sins of our lives so that so easily cause us to stumble, verse 1. Those that throw us down, maybe even knock us back in the race, a race that we are to constantly be moving forward on. Clearly there were sins, there were allurements of the world that these Christians receiving this letter, they were tempted to go back to. And in doing so, they would be rejecting Christ. is why this particular word comes to them on the heels of the great cloud of witnesses from Hebrews 11 that did what these Christians must do and that is to lay aside not just the sins but the unhelpful hindrances of our lives that affect this race that we're to move forward in that we're to persevere in and these are clearly the two areas of our lives as Christians that we need to examine if we're going to run this race faithfully and if we're going to run it and finish. So what are those sins in your life that so easily entangle you? What are those sins that hinder your spiritual growth the most? And I have to ask this question because It's going to be different for each one of us, isn't it? Each one of us has sins that we're so 
easily entangled in that we seem to battle every day. What are those for you? Maybe for you it's something that's more obvious, like a sexual sin, lying, selfishness, a desire to have something, and you're obsessing to have something that you cannot have. Or it could be something more subtle like pride or self-serving recognition or wanting to be honored by others, wanting things your way, fearing maybe what others think of you instead of fearing more what God thinks of you. Whatever your sins are that so easily entangle you, dear friends, lay them at the foot of the cross. You lay them at the foot of the cross knowing they have been dealt with by Jesus in full, paid for in full. Therefore, confess them to the Lord. And confess, and not just confess, but turn and repent. Turn away and then keep moving forward. And how are you able to keep moving forward? Because of what Christ has done, there is forgiveness for the sins that so easily entangle us. Let's not forget we're also to lay aside the things that are not inherently sinful in our lives, but they're the things that may hinder our growth in Christ. They may hinder our pursuit of the heavenly reward because they are things that we want to pursue in an earthly reward. So let me ask you how, in light of, in light of this, how important is your favorite sports team? I'm a sports nut just like any of anybody else in this room. But it's a question we all have to evaluate. What about things like your hobbies or how much television do you watch in movies? Time on the internet, doing things like, like Facebook. Maybe it's some ambition to succeed, which is not a bad thing in itself, but is consuming you and is hindering you to pursue Christ. None of these things are sinful within themselves, but the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Is our affection for these things, are they helping us run the race or are they hindering us? Are these things helping us or distracting us from a race that we're to constantly be, to be persevering in? with our faith in Jesus. We must lay aside all obstacles to press on so that we would not grow weary and lose heart. Second thing that we can do to persevere in this race, he says to run the race. Run the race. As already mentioned and even illustrated, the Christian life and progression in our faithfulness to, to follow Jesus, it's a race we're exhorted to run. Verse 1, let us run the race. So the writer of Hebrews uses the race analogy not because, just because it's, it's a helpful way to understand it, but because it can help us know how to run and finish well. Three things we are to do in the midst of running this race. The first one is in verse 1. We need to know the race set before us. We need to know the race set before us. He writes that a Christian is to do this, run the race, verse 1, that is set before us. Our lives as Christians is a race and it has a beginning when we turn and follow Christ and it has an end when we receive the reward that Christ has promised us and we are forever to be with the Lord in eternal life. There's a beginning and there's an end. You know what the problem is? 
There's that pesky part in the middle we got to do. The race part. As my friend Al found out, some miles of the race are good. He feels strong. He feels like nobody can stop him to win this race. Not only is he going to break two hours, he's going he to break a record of some kind for a 50-year-old man. And then there's other parts of the race that are painful. The, the hills become part of the course, unexpectedly even. He might trip and fall. He feels fatigued. He, discouragement comes. And just like that, he can begin to wonder if he's even going to finish the race. We need to know the race is set before us. And we need to know it is set by God Himself. The race that each of us are running is set by God Himself, who not only placed us in this race, dear friends, He, he designed the racetrack. He knows it all. He knows the race we're all running. And He designed the racetrack specifically so that we can know we can finish. I would dare say it's even our kind and gracious God that ordains the dark obstacles of providence that come in the race that we maybe don't understand. Let us not forget the race that we run. It's also with others. It's not to be run alone. My friend Al would tell you how invaluable it was. This particular race I'm telling you about, his youngest son ran it with him. And they ran it side by side. And his son ran to encourage him, have someone to go up the hills with, someone to pick you up if you fall. His son could have blitzed him for miles. But his son ran with him. Remember the race that is set before us is to be run with others who are in the race. And notice in this, look back in the passage, the corporate appeal that is constantly being done. Let us do this. Let us do that. We must know the race that is set before us, but know that as part of that race, God has placed those who are seated around you as ones who are supposed to run the race side by side with you. And without them, I dare say, you may not finish the race. We're also to run with endurance. Look at verse 1. to run this race with endurance. Now, I have to, I have to admit, I enjoy running as, as a re, part of my exercise regimen. And I'll tell you this one wonderful truth about running, because it's not always fun. One wonderful truth about running is that the more you do it, the more you're able to do the next time. It may be hard to get up and run one morning, or two mornings. But the fact is, if you make yourself get up and run at that moment. It builds an endurance that allows you to run even further the next time. It's even easier to run the next time. Have you ever thought about that, about the Christian life? Have you ever thought about that our endurance in the Christian life comes just by living the Christian life, regardless of what happens? I've had Christians in my church tell me all the time they are discouraged and in the midst of that discouragement, they've even used these words. They, they feel like they're actually going backwards. They're not standing still. They're going backwards. They're so discouraged. And yet time and time again, I see 
when the darkness passes, they seem to run the race better than they did before. We are to run with endurance. And the best way to build endurance in running this race is to just run the race. And to do the best you can to run it. And sometimes you won't be able to run. If you can't run, then just walk. And if you can't walk sometimes, then just crawl. But keep moving forward. And even though you may crawl for a little while and make very little progress, but you're moving forward, when you get up, the endurance will be there. So how are we to run this race that is set before us with endurance? Look at verse 2. We fix our eyes on Jesus. I would argue there's no better or profound exhortation to discouraged and suffering Christians that this writer's writing to that applies in all situations, that applies in every circumstance of life than what we find here at the beginning of verse 2. How do we run this race that has obstacles and difficulty? We fix our eyes on Jesus. But, but I don't understand why this is happening to me. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. But I don't know if I can handle this bad news I received from the doctor this week. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. I don't know how to defeat this sin that plagues me over and over and over again. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. And what about Jesus are we to fix our eyes on? Look at verse 2 with me. That He is, verse 2, the author and perfecter of our faith, who the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why fix our eyes on Jesus? Because through His perfect life, His atoning death, His glorious resurrection, and His eternal reign, we can know something, dear friends, that is crucial for us to know to finish this race well. The prize is won. The prize for the race, it's already been won. It's actually been purchased for us through the blood of Christ and His sufferings. Do you realize the prize has already been won? We just have to finish the race. Can you imagine the hope and the joy and the, the peace my friend Al would have had running this race, this last race he had, if he knew the prize was already his, if he knew his wife was holding the trophy at the end of the line? The only requirement needed was to finish and finish well. And that is tr- the same thing is true for us in this race in the Christian life. So, Christian friends, hear me tonight. We don't have to finish first. We don't even have to finish in a certain time. We just have to finish. And we have to finish well. Because when we finish well, we honor the one who purchased the prize for us with his own blood. And here's the third thing we do to help us to not grow weary, and that is to consider Jesus. To consider Jesus. And this is so important because how often, friends, do we consider our struggles instead? How often do we consider the uncertainties and the, the circumstances of our life instead of considering Jesus? Fixing our eyes on who He is and, and what He's accomplished on our behalf. 
So the writer of Hebrews tells us that, that we need to consider two aspects of Jesus' person and work that will allow us to fix our eyes on Him, persevere in our faith, and not grow weary. So the first one is to consider His joyful sufferings. We need to consider His joyful sufferings. Look down at verse 3 with me. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And His suffering mentioned here It also takes us back to verse 2. Notice that with me, where his sufferings are described as enduring the cross and despising the shame. What's he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus, the, the perfect man without sin, who never wronged anybody in his life. He endured the pain. He endured the suffering. He endured the shame that came from dying by by crucifixion. We need to remember it wasn't just a brutal execution to die by crucifixion. It certainly was. But it was also a public humiliation of the person being crucified and, be, and having to face the, the cruel treatment of his executioners. And as bad as that sounds, do you realize that that wasn't even the worst part of it? The worst part is that Jesus bore the full righteous wrath of God on the cross. In our place, when Jesus suffered for our sins. How could God send His Son to do this, to endure such suffering? And how could He even go joyfully, as it says here, to this execution that He didn't even deserve? So that those who would turn to follow Him would not have to endure the wrath of God for our sins. Jesus joyfully endured this judgment on our behalf so that we would not have to face it. As we consider those he's writing to, these suffering Christians who are receiving this letter, they had seemed to lose sight of this. They lost sight of what Jesus suffered and even more importantly, why Jesus had suffered. Which is why the writer instructs them in this way. Look, fix your eyes on him. Consider him. Consider the one who suffered joyfully for your sins so that you would not have to. And now he calls them to suffer for his namesake. And as they do that, they're to now look to him. They're to look to his example. For they're now to, per- to persevere joyfully through their own sufferings that's coming for his na- from his namesake. So they're to consider his joyful sufferings. But second, they're to consider his eternal reign. Look at verse 2. After Jesus endured the suffering and the shame of the cross, verse 2 says he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus joyfully endured the suffering for us because he knew the victory that would be purchased for us, when he was, and when he was raised from the grave, the new life that we are given, and he now rules as the God man in all his authority, in all his glory, over all the nations, and here's the key to our encouragement over all of our circumstances. I mean, isn't this the message of Hebrews? To consider him who suffered for us. 
the one who is raised, the one who now rules in his supremacy and his power and glory, and is also that one who rules is now the one who is our sympathetic high priest that we can go to and cry out to him and he intercedes to the Father on our behalf. That's the one we're to consider so that we won't grow weary. And what's the result? What's the result if we will do these things? Look at the end of verse 3 with me. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the answer. This is the answer to a discouraged and a weary faith. So, dear friend, have you come here discouraged tonight? Have you come weary in your faith? Are you so weary in your faith that you have come here tonight wondering if you can even make it another day because you're so weary and discouraged? Christian friends, the answer to persevering in our faith in Jesus through the struggles of life, through the sufferings to come, and the feelings that we can't go another day like this. The answer, it's simple and it's clear. And here's the great thing. It universally applies to every one of your circumstances. If you think you're exempt from that, come find me afterwards and let me know what that is. Because there are no exemptions. Every circumstance that is represented here, this is the answer. Regardless of what your struggle is, Christian friends, consider Jesus. Look to Him. Fix your eyes on Him, not your circumstances. And I promise you, you will find the endurance to run the race, finish well, and not grow weary and lose heart. If you're here this evening, you maybe are here and you've never considered Jesus before. You've never considered anything about Him, let alone what the writer of Hebrews is proposing here. My prayer for you is that you would consider Him tonight. Consider Jesus. Consider your sins against a a holy God and your need for a Savior. Consider that Jesus is the only one who sufficiently pays for your sins with His own blood. Consider that Jesus is the only one who can provide the righteousness that we each must have to stand in and stand blameless before God because of what he demands of us. Dear friends, if that is you, consider Jesus, who not only saves you from your sins and transforms each of us who trust in him into a new creature in Christ, but he, he gives us joy in the race. He gives us endurance through the struggles of life so that we can finish the race that Christ started with each one of us when we turned and trusted in him. May you consider Jesus tonight. And as you consider Jesus tonight, may that lead you to trust in him, to turn away from your sins and place all of your faith, all of your trust in Christ alone. May you turn to him today. Let us pray.